Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast edition. Today is Wednesday, July 20th, 2022. Hope you're having a great day. We've got a great lineup at hotair.com. Be sure to check out all the things that we're writing about. Some of the top stories today, we'll just go over a few brief news items before I introduce John Andrasik from Five for Fighting. I talked to him about his trip to Kiev. Talked to him a little bit about Afghanistan too, so you'll want to be on board for the entire interview with John and always great to talk to John. He's such a, a good guy and a real friend. And, uh, and, and I know that you're anxious to get to that, but let's talk a little bit about some of the top stories today. First off, um, we're getting more information from that Texas uh, legislative committee about the Uvalde shooting. And it's important because one of the big solutions that are coming out of this is the idea that a red flag law would have made a big difference in this uh, shooting. And in truth, uh, there's not much to support that because nobody was intervening in this perpetrator's um, lifetime prior to the shooting. And there were plenty of reasons to think that this guy was a danger to himself and to others. And nobody stepped up. Nobody called law enforcement. The school uh, basically just kicked him out for a non-performance when he was 17 years old. Uh, they let this guy drift. He had employers that knew that something was wrong with this guy. You had people in the gaming community, even his own friends, even his own family were aware of behavioral issues. Nobody, nobody tried to get any intervention in this. So a red flag law in this case would have been a complete non sequitur. Uh, even Texas doesn't have one. Some states do. But nobody did anything, took any steps that would have initiated the use of a red flag law here. And I think what you're seeing here is you're seeing a complete collapse in the infrastructure that uh, protects our communities. Uh, we saw it with the police department when they arrived at Robb Elementary. But you take a look at the years prior to the actual mass shooting at Robb Elementary, and there's number, there's a whole series of failures uh, by everybody but law enforcement. Law enforcement was never actually brought into any of these situations. And so they didn't have an opportunity to to stop this shooter when perhaps he could have been stopped or, you know, before he went, became a mass shooter or um, at least prevent him from legally purchasing a firearm, which is what he did uh, prior to the shooting. So I, I take a look at the language in that report, uh, the committee report. Uh, we already saw some of that in regards to the police response on the day of the shooting. And that's very damning. Uh, information and I would encourage people to read that. We've covered that at Hot Air before, but I did want to mention the fact that this is a complete societal failure around this guy. Uh, in the schools, in the family, in the community, nobody, nobody cared enough to warn anybody about this guy. And not even on social media platforms, nobody actually raised any red flags there either. So a red flag law wasn't going to do much to stop this guy. It might stop others, but only if you have law enforcement that's willing to prosecute, only if you have people who are willing to step up and say something. And in those cases, maybe you don't even need a red flag law. <laughs> maybe you just need to enforce the laws that you already have on the books. A couple other really interesting stories. Cav Brett Kavanaugh's neighbors have had enough of the uh, protests out in front of his house. Uh, even the pro-choice neighbors are sick and tired of these performative outrage demonstrations and want them to go away. And you have to ask yourself, why are, why are people still demonstrating in front of the justices' homes? Other than just for punitive, me punitive uh, motives, the, the case is over. They're not, they don't have another abortion case on the docket, 
And the longer this keeps up, the less likely they are to grant cert to reassert any authority over this because everybody knows what will be coming down the pike if they do. Um, they're going to steer well, steer well clear of this. They didn't outlaw abortion. All they did was return the issue back to the legislatures. And so all of this performative outrage is meaningless. This is an issue that are, is going to be debated at the legislature. So go talk to your uh, elected representative. And the, and the peak performative outrage uh, this week has been watching Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilan Omar, and a, uh, a more than a dozen other members of Congress go out and get themselves arrested in front of the Supreme Court when they're members of Congress and they could be actually legislating on this. <laughs> I mean, they're wasting their time in front of the Supreme Court. If they were serious about this, they just simply go do their jobs in Congress and put together bills and put together coalitions that could pass bills. I'm not saying I would endorse anything that uh, Ocasio-Cortez or Omar would would produce, but that's their job. That's literally their job. And the Supreme Court just gave them the ability to do their job and they don't want to do it. They want to gripe about the Supreme Court rather than do their jobs. And of course, the peak nonsense of that was pretending to be handcuffed, then doing the power salute and going back to um, pretending to be handcuffed. I mean, this is nonsense. It's utter nonsense. A uh, couple other things. Um, Joe Biden hit rock bottom again in the Reuters poll. Uh, I think he's actually near a floor. I think he's gotten to the point now where He's about as low as he can go with Republicans and independents and perhaps even Democrats. The, there's been a lot of Democrats that have flipped over to disapproval. The rest of them are probably pretty firm loyalists and aren't likely to change unless he suddenly shifts to the right. So I've got an analysis of that. Um, also, Robert Reich wants Manchin kicked out of the uh, Democratic Party. He wants him stripped of his committee chair. Even though that would mean that Democrats would lose control of the Senate, Robert Reich says, they don't have control of the Senate. Well, yeah, actually, they do have control of the Senate. They're just really bad at managing it and managing expectations and managing policies when you have a 50-50 Senate. Maisie Hirono said, well, the 50-50 Senate sucks. Well, they were pretty happy to get it in January of 2021. The, the problem isn't that the 50-50 Senate sucks. It's a difficult situation, to be sure. It's that Democratic leadership sucks, and that has not that doesn't have a lot to do with Joe Manchin. So I have that coming up. I have some uh, data on mortgage, uh, the mortgage market, home sale market. I think we're looking at a potential recession there. Uh, we're not there yet, but I think we're looking at a potential recession in the housing markets. So lots of stuff coming up at hotair.com today. So be sure to read everything that we've got going. And it's not just me. I mean, I'm reading my own stuff, but Jazz Shaw's back. He's got some great stuff on there. Uh, he, he is pointing out that uh, the Ukrainian government has a corruption problem, which we knew. Uh, Bill de Blasio was abandoning his uh, his political career. You got to read about that. And uh, Miriam Webster has decided to redefine women. <laughs> I, I guess it's a fad. I don't know. But Jazz is, Jazz is writing some great stuff now that he's back from vacation, taking a little heat off of me and Ala Pundit and, and John Sexton. So we're all pretty happy that Jazz is back. I hope you're happy too. I hope you're happy with this conversation with John Androsik. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Welcome back. It is my pleasure, uh, my honor to introduce a, a, a real patriot, a real uh, a real hero, I think, in a lot of uh, quarters, a man who stands up 
for his beliefs, uh, the the lead singer for Five for Fighting, John Andrasik, who is joining us just after his trip to Kiev, uh, where he had an amazing um, video. He produced an amazing video. Uh, Can One Man Save the World? We've heard the music before. But John, I mean, you could not have picked a, a better setting and a, a better partnership for this latest version uh, of this really beautiful tune. Yeah, thank you, Ed. Um, it was a series of minor miracles that allowed us to film there in the rubble of the airport in front of the Maria, the the symbol of independence for Ukraine, the largest cargo plane in the world that Putin destroyed early in the war to kind of gut their will. It uh, it was a long journey to make it happen. It actually started with Afghanistan. You know, we were talking right. eight months ago about Afghanistan and my being embedded with some of these groups that were performing the, the evacuations. Um, one of those was a group, Save Our Allies, who I know you're aware of, an yep. incredible group formed by a woman, Sarah Verado, who's has a catastrophically wounded husband who was um, wounded in Afghanistan. And she started this group, Save Our Allies, with some Green Berets, some special forces, uh, incredible people who had been down in Afghanistan, literally shepherding people at night to the airport. They got out 12,000 folks in 10 days. And so we were working on some some stuff for veterans um, when the Ukraine war broke out. Now they'd already put operations in there. They knew it was gonna happen. Um, and I'd written this song, Can One Man Save the World? And I was going on a string quartet tour and I was arranging the strings for the song. I wanted to play the song with the quartet. And I had a thought of, you know, Poland's been so great in this in this war, they've been kind of the heroes of the war, taking all the refugees. Maybe I should, you know, I have these arrangements. Maybe I should go to Poland and play with the Polish orchestra and really shine the light on them and give them a shot in the arm. And and I called one of my Save Our Allies friends and I said, how about this idea? You have relationships in Poland. And she goes, let me call you back. So three or four days later, she called me back and said, how would you like to play the song with Ukrainian orchestra? And I did exactly what you did. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, are you kidding? I mean, do they even exist? Um, she's like, well, we think it could happen. Let us get back to. So long story short, I was on the road on my tour and we were scrambling to do the charts just in case it happened. And um, the day before my last gig, I got an email with a plane ticket to Krakow in it. And uh, my wife was with me. So we had a long talk and uh, she agreed to let me go. And 48 hours later, after a har harrowing, crazy journey, flying halfway around the world and driving to the border, walking across the airport, hopping on a train with Dan Crenshaw, you know, getting the key. Um, we started preparing to, to film in this location, which um, only happened because of Save Our Allies' relationship with the, the military there and who agreed to let us uh, film film in the in front of the Maria. You know, John, I really do want to thank your wife, too. And and I think that, you know, those of us who are in the public eye, you a lot more than me, but but still, I, I don't think people understand the commitment that, that, uh, that the family has to have to that sort of thing. And especially, you know, I'm, I'm doing this for my, for my house in central Texas. You know, the only thing I'm braving is uh, the fan above my head and the fact that I have no hair. Um, but I mean, oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's going around. Yeah, I, I grant you that. Um, but I mean, you're going to a war zone. 
And and I, I'm glad you mentioned your wife. And I think that maybe you just, you know, talk a little bit about that without getting, you know, too personal, too revealing, but how that support is necessary and why this is, it's a big deal for your family that you're doing this. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, we'd actually talked about Afghanistan, you know, when it was happening, I'd, I'd gotten some increase, maybe go down there. And she wasn't, you know, wasn't fond of that idea. And, sure. and certainly it was much more dangerous. Look, look, is it a war zone? Yes. You know, we went to Kiev, you know, th three months ago, it had been very dangerous going to Kiev. When we went to Kiev, th there were kind of scatter missile attacks, but all the, all the, the, um, the action was on the Eastern front. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to war zone. Was there some air raids that we slept through? Yeah, but, you know, I don't think there was high risk of, of, of danger. So I think we we understood that. And she understood, you know, my kind of will and, and this opportunity and this song and what it could mean, you know, for for larger things. Um, right. Um, so, I, but I, I'm very grateful for her and, and my kids as well. Um, and it was nerve wracking because it was run like a military mission we couldn't communicate while we were over there because we didn't want people geolocating us. If the media found out, it never happened. Yep. So the day from the moment we crossed into Ukraine till the day we got back into Poland, uh, I couldn't communicate with them. Um, so it was, you know, it was a little hair raising for for folks, but you know, we wanted to be as safe as possible. And I just, right. I just wanted to follow the Save Our Allies uh, direction. You know they know what they're doing and uh but yeah it, it was great that she let me go and I, i'm very grateful to her and um and uh, she was uh and we were very happy to to chat when i got back to crack out that's for sure absolutely absolutely so what was it like working with the ukrainian orchestra i mean they're obviously they're they're they have a lot of things on their mind, right? So yeah. I'm sure that they're trying to get together and, and restore some sense of normality in Kiev anyway. But I mean, there's a lot of pressure on them. They're doing a lot of different things. And this is, I wouldn't say it's necessarily out of their scope because orchestras do a lot of different kinds of music. Um, but it's certainly uh, something that, as you say, had to be done fairly quickly. Um, how well did that go? What was the reception you got from the orchestra? How are they holding up over there? Yeah, I mean, it was a scramble. I mean, we had a six hour window to record the orchestra. And of course, it was when I was landing in, in Krakow and being shuttled to the border. So I was kind of on the Internet and trying to do that and get that done. But they did a good job um, and they they come in for this project. Actually, they've been scattered across the country throughout the war. And this project kind of brought them in. And they were starting to do a few more performances. Um, you know, they got to make a living too. It's like you forget about those yeah. things too. Like, how do you make a living? Um, so when they uh, when they arrived at the airport, uh, of course it was pouring rain. When we were going to film this, we were freaking out. Oh my god, they're not going <laughs> to play in the rain. I'm like, all this and the rain's going to get us. But um, but it allowed me to spend some time with them, and I, I spoke through a translator about you know, why we were there. And uh, it's more than just a music video. It's it's to show show them that uh, we support them, have this musical collaboration, create something that could get into Russia and kind of pound through the propaganda. You know, music has a unique way of permeating borders. And I want the Russians to see, no, you know, it's not just a bunch of Nazis in Ukraine. It's, you know, it's regular people playing with this musician in front of the symbol that you guys destroyed, 
Maybe you want to think twice about your tyrant. So there was a lot of things that went into this and I, and I think they got it. And there was a moment when we were filming the orchestra that a general came by that allowed us to, to film there. And he wanted to, you know, thank me and, and tell me that President Zelensky had proved this. And, and then he said, let me hear the song. And uh, we started playing and they took flight. They were moved. He was there. They were playing with vigor and passion. And the general took out his phone and I started crying and people started crying. And so at the end of that performance, I think it was a very heavy weight of, of where we were, what we were doing, why we were there. You know, we're kind of in awe of this spectacle, but it really hit us that, you know, these people are fighting their survival and every member of that orchestra has a story of someone who's been killed or lost or on the front. Our translator had a brother on the front who'd been there for 11 days. She hadn't heard from, from him, you know, and then the atrocities that are going on. So it really kind of brought it all together that moment. And, uh, you know, I will always feel this kinship with the orchestra and we're hoping to do more performances together. Well, hopefully, I mean, hopefully the war ends and you'll be able to do lots of different performances together. I mean, this is obviously what it is that we want. We want to raise the visibility of what's actually happening in Ukraine. And I, I guess I can ask you, and you were there for a short period of time, obviously, but what did you see there that 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 may have surprised you a little bit or that um, that you saw that maybe strengthened your resolve? Obviously, the interactions with the orchestra had to have done that, but uh, were, were there any other moments while you were uh, in in Ukraine that you had that sort of um, surprising or, or, or invigorating sort of experience? Yeah, you know, when we kind of came in from the West and our first kind of city we stopped at was Lviv, and Lviv hadn't seen much fighting there, maybe a few missiles, but not much, and he really wouldn't know the war was going on. Um, you'd see the newspapers and stuff, but kids were playing in the squares and restaurants were open. And and uh, and then when we took the train to Kiev, it changed. One thing that was really interesting was you really felt like you were in a time warp because, mm. you know, we, we were in this rubble and, and the tanks were like World War II tanks. But even the train we went on seemed like a, a 1950s train. So you were kind of back in the, you know, back in this this period not only with with the the war equipment and the the tanks and the munitions but also um the travel and the hotels so it was it was kind of surreal that way um i was you know as as i said when we got to kiev you could definitely feel the weight there not all the all the uh all the uh restaurants and businesses were open you drive by bridges that had been destroyed by the ukrainians so the right. tank couldn't come in. You saw all the barricades. You know, of course, you saw apartment buildings blown up. Not everywhere, um, but you 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 really sensed it there uh, more than you did in Lviv. And and you know, we didn't sleep. You know, we slept two hours a night. You know, we're anxious. We're you know, we're a little scared. We're human beings. There's a every hotel has the the signs to the bomb shelters. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so you're aware of that and they can say, if this happens, do that. If this happens, do this. If you're out, you know, you've got to go into the streets. So it was, um, you know, it was disconcerting, scary, but we were focused. We had a mission. And, you know, I kept thinking every time I was like, uh, you know, oh, my God, I kept thinking, you know, I get to leave. Right. I'm out here in five days. These people don't, you know, or they choose not to. And, you know, that kept kind of weighing on me of, you know, why we got to keep pushing this mission. And 
and as I said, take it to higher things and, and bigger events to, to truly support Ukraine. As you know, Ed, it's not going well. No. It, you know, if status quo, Ukraine's likely going to lose this war. And then it's going to be our soldiers on the front of the Polish border. So it goes way beyond Ukraine. It's really to who we are. And so that's kind of my passion and why I'm so focused on this. You know, John, um, when we were talking about Afghanistan, and by the way, that's kind of slid off of the uh, well, it slid off the front pages of the newspapers almost immediately. But I mean, it's it really hasn't gotten a lot of attention. And maybe you can give us a little bit of an update on where that stands with the with the private organizations that are still working to exfiltrate Americans and and Afghan allies out of there. Um, but when we were talking about that, uh, we were also talking about the fact that the entertainment industry had really tried to put the blinders on, right? We're, weren't addressing this. There was no protest over what had happened uh, to in, in Afghanistan. And I think that there's been a little bit more engagement in the entertainment industry in terms of Ukraine, but not a lot. And I am, I, I, I'm wondering how you see that. So maybe first talk about Afghanistan and then talk about what's going on with the entertainment industry in, in um, vis-a-vis the Ukraine war. Yeah, so Afghanistan, obviously we're coming up on the year anniversary. Yeah. So we're going to do some things to kind of remind the world that uh, we have not kept our promise and things there that uh, that we said would happen are frankly happening. Girls are still not in school. Gays and lesbians being hunted. 20,000 of our trained special forces are still there either flipping to the Taliban or being hunted. Go down the list, mass starvation, all this stuff. And there's still been no accountability. Just yesterday, there was uh, a couple stories about a classified uh, report about exactly what happened at DOD. That has to go public. We have to know what happened um, for Americans and Afghans, for the, the Afghan veterans who have suffered PTSD from this, um, through all the allies we promised to get out. It has to come out. We're going to call for it to come out. They'll do everything they can to not have it come out. So that's critical. Um, when it comes to entertainment for some of these crises. I agree with you. There should have been a concert for Afghanistan. There should have been protests. But like many things, we live in a tribal age. Right. And I understand why most of the artists tend to be on the left. They didn't want to criticize administration. Ukraine is not that. Ukraine, uh, I think, crosses all political aisles. It's about freedom. It's about survival. It's like who we are, you know, as Americans. We we support people who are uh, basically under attack by this thug trying to recreate the Soviet Union. So that said, you're right. Um, one of the things I'm doing with this video is I'm calling for a Live Aid type concert for Ukraine in October. Few people are trying to put some things together, but there's two reasons. One, to, again, put the spotlight on Ukraine, raise money for groups like Save Our Allies. But more importantly, to put cultural pressure on Russia there's no cultural front on this war. There's a political front, there's economic front, there's no cultural front. Sometimes the culture can move the needle in unique ways, especially with music. And if the Russian people, you know, they're gonna see the World Cup without their team in it. If there's this mass concert with the biggest stars in the world, like Live Aid, like Concert for New York, with all the biggest stars singing to support Ukraine, calling for Russia, the Russian people to rejoin the free world and topple their tyrant, that could be powerful. It needs to happen, should have happened in Afghanistan. So that's my, that's my 
focus and mission right now is to create that concert and it should be in Poland because Poland deserves it. Um, so that's the plan. We'll see if it happens. I'll get back to you, but that's, that's where all my energy is going right now. Well, right. And, and I think that that is, um, I think it'd be tremendous. And, and I actually, honestly, you're right about Afghanistan. I think it got tribalized here in the United States immediately. And, and, and I, I understand, although I don't agree with it, like you, I understand why this thing got buried both in the media and in the, um, entertainment industry, but you're right about Ukraine. This is, there's nothing really tribal about this. You, you hear some people on either side of the aisle who are objecting to spending the money on this and worrying, I think rationally that too much American involvement could make this thing blow up uh, too much. Now, I don't agree with that. I think like you think, which is that you really need to stop that now because otherwise it's going to escalate. Um, but at least it's a rational debate. We can have that rational debate. It, I, I, what I don't get is why people aren't taking more of an interest, even if it's just to help the, 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 the refugees from Ukraine, the people who are displaced inside Ukraine, which you know is massive. There's a massive amount of people there. It's going to require a massive amount of resources. And, and I don't want to pick on the entertainment industry altogether. I just see it's sort of like this apathetic response altogether, whereas, you know, well, we're sending them high Mars and that's that that's sufficient sort of thing. I I think that we're really missing an important part of this. We're missing the support of the Ukrainian people themselves. Yeah, I don't know. You know, you see in history, like when there's these crises, the entertainment business steps up. We talked about Live Aid, right? right. You know, Sun City, right? Stephen Van Zandt, Concert for New York. Um, I don't. No, I don't know if, if it's just a reflection of the apathy of the Western world um, that we just, you know, we're not looking to bigger things. We're busy on TikTok and arguing about these kind of petty, petty tribal things when the world, you know, the future of the world is in balance. Um, I don't know. All I can do is try to do the best I can and try to, to spur people to join me in this. I wish it was people with much higher profiles than me doing it, and maybe they will. As I said, I've, I've heard a few folks um, maybe trying to create one of these concerts that have much more resources than me and, and access to, to the U2s, the Springsteens, the Pink Floyds of the world who, who have to do this. And also the, 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 the Gagas, the Ariana Grande, the, you know, the, the yeah. kids of this generation. Um, so I don't care if it's me or whatever, but it needs to be done. Uh, I think the way it's going now, Ukraine's gonna lose this war it's going to be just uh, a horrific situation and all that will do will escalate. And frankly, I don't want to be writing a song in, uh, in Taiwan in two years, Ed. It's like Afghanistan, we predicted Ukraine, Ukraine be de devoured by Putin. Xi's going to move on Taiwan. Why wouldn't he? So I think, again, the consequences are so massive and historic that, that artists need to understand that and step up and use their voices to help, uh, help this cultural front of the war. Um, I hope it happens. I hope it does too, John. What else is coming up for you next though? I mean, uh, do you have, I, I know that you were touring earlier this year. Are, are you going to continue to do that while you're working on these things or are you taking a break and a little bit of a well-earned break, I should add, by the way, if you are uh, just curious as to what, what you're going to be doing over the next few weeks. Well, like tomorrow I leave for a five week rock tour. <laughs> there you go. I'll be in the bus, back in the bus, five week rock tour. 
We're actually playing the song with the Ukrainian orchestra. I have the audio of it. So I have a click track and I play the song and you can hear the orchestra just like it was in Kyiv. I did it the other night in Portland. It was very emotional for the audience and me. So I'm looking forward to do that, but I'm back with my boys. We're back in the bus. We're coming, you know, we're, we're all over the East Coast, the Midwest, um, the Northeast. Uh, so folks out there, if you want to come to Five for Fighting Show, it's a family show, bring the kids and uh, I'll be doing that. And next time we talk, we'll probably be from the back of a tour bus. Well, that'd be all, that'd be awesome, actually. So <laughs> fiveforfighting.com, right, is the is the website where they can find out about that. Fiveforfighting.com, Five for Fighting Music on Instagram. Really appreciate people sharing the video um, with every stream, with every share. Uh, all the proceeds go to Save Our Allies. And really for this concert to happen, the, the video has to go viral internationally. It's done so in the States. It needs to continue doing that, but it has to go internationally to give us the the political capital to make this happen. So if, if, you, if you watch it, you share it, you stream it, you're helping literally the people of Ukraine. And I, I thank you, Ed, for your platform and letting me, uh, you know, say my piece and, and pitch this uh, project. Well, I, I mean, first off, <laughs> anytime. So A, anytime. B, thank you so much for, for, for being so open and generous with your time. And C, um, if I if I might just brag, I got you ahead of Dwayne. So, you know, it's all it's all good on my end, John. Dwayne's going to make me sing like 17 songs next time I do a show just to make up for it. So. Good job, Ed. <laughs> well, I'm sorry about that. John Andrasik, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, buddy. All right. Stay tuned for more from the Ed Morrissey Show coming up next. Thank you for watching and listening to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Be sure to subscribe at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube to get alerted as soon as new episodes get published. You can support the Ed Morrissey Show and Hot Air's VIP reporting by becoming a VIP member, too. Visit hotairvip.com and use the promo code SAVEAMERICA, all one word, for 40% off your membership. Choose VIP Gold and gain membership to access to all of the town hall sites. Thanks again for watching and listening.